0: Well, good morning again, everyone. Good morning. good morning. Excellent. You're awake. Thanks for the wave there, Kim. Well done. Um, have your Bible open in front of you, uh, but I want you to turn open to Proverbs. We're, we're just reading through Matthew's Gospel in terms of the Sermon on the Mount, um, and the James passage you'll see is very relevant, but I'm not actually preaching from James. So Proverbs is where you want your Bible open, and also have a, um, your outline uh, open in front of you too which would be helpful. We'll have a question and answer time at the end um, hopefully we'll be able to share some uh, things together there. Alright, I'm going to pray. Father thank you for your word, we, we pray that you would uh, guide us through it, may it be a lamp to our feet and we pray that we put our trust in you and we put Jesus' words into practice as we, uh, as we read them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Just a quick word about the structure of Proverbs. Um, you might have caught up on this if you're reading through, um, hoping you are. Proverbs one to nine uh, are really the framework of how we read ten to thirty-one. If that helps, um, I hope it does. So one to nine is a bit easier reading. So if you're reading through the whole thing, as I'm hoping you might be, um, one to nine is the, the is our is a lens that we understand the short little sayings that we read in chapters 10 to 31 That's the, the Proverbs are so renowned for. So that, that's uh, hopeful, uh, helpful, I hope. All right. This is the third uh, part in our series on Proverbs, uh, the way of the wise. We're talking about taming the tongue and we get that from um, uh, James chapter 3, which Serena just read for us. Words and speech how we use language. It's a very common theme in Proverbs. And I think that and money are probably the two most, uh, well, the the two most addressed topics when we we read through Proverbs. We all know words are important. Everyone knows that. Uh, They communicate thoughts and ideas. That's probably the biggest thing that distinguishes us from the animals, isn't it? Uh, Apart from opposable thumbs, eating habits, Although there's a bit of debate there sometimes with eating habits. Anyway, we won't get into that. Our sophistication of of language separates us from the animals. I think that's true. I love this um, Far Side cartoon. Uh, I'll read it for you just in case you can't see At the top, it says, what we say to dogs. And then it says, okay, Ginger, I've had enough. You stay out of the garbage. Understand, Ginger? Stay out of the garbage or else. And then down the bottom, what they hear. Blah, 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 Ginger. Blah, 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 ginger. Blah, 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 ginger. Blah, 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 blah. That is true, isn't it? I think. I think it's true of my dog. He doesn't get in the garbage, though. See, what us humans, we have the capacity to communicate. We use words. Because, of course, you see, we are made in the image of God. And God is a God who speaks. God created the world through a Word. So it makes sense that we too, being created in God's image, can speak. We can communicate and we can use words. But words are powerful. We see that in James chapter 3. Words are powerful. They can either build up and they can encourage, they can be helpful. But the thing about words too is that they can tear down. They can discourage. They can be unhelpful. Now Jesus pushes us a little deeper here in Mark chapter 7 and he tells us that words flow out of our hearts. So Mark 7 verse 20 and 22, Jesus went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. So, although the sm- the focus this morning will be on how we use our words and wise words and how we speak, Jesus, of course, has got it right. It's our hearts that need to be checked. And, and in one sense, it's a bit like a spiritual ECG. Right? You know, an ECG it measures your heart. That's what we're having. Okay. So, if you've got your outline there, I've got three headings in your outline. Um, we're going to jump around a fair bit in Proverbs. I'd love it if you come with me. Uh, Read the passages that I'm reading. I'll give you time to flick through as well. If that's too much, just listen carefully and you'll be okay. First thing we want to see, the Proverbs makes very clear is that words are powerful. Words are powerful. You know the old phrase, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Uh, Words are powerful and a harsh word takes much longer to heal than a broken bone. Words penetrate. Here's what one commentator said. Uh, What is done to you, so what is done to you is of little significance compared to what is done in you. See, that's what words do. Words penetrate. Uh, In personal relationships, uh, words have the power to wound or heal. So go across to uh, Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Words have the power to wound or heal. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, just the simple words, I love you, just the simple words, I love you, have such a deep impact from someone you care about. Isn't that true? Just those words. Uh, A word of affirmation can achieve remarkable healing. It's a good book um, that's been around for quite a while. It's called uh, The Five Love Languages. You might have heard of that um, by a guy called, American guy, Gary Chapman. It's full of cheesy examples, but I think he's on the money at certain points. Uh, he, he argues that words of affirmation, words of affirmation are one of the five main ways that we understand that we are loved by someone. And he's right. I think it's true. Words have the power to wound or Heal. And words also have power in the community to build up or tear down. So, uh, probably back one page, I reckon. 11 verse 11. 11 verse 11. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. By our words, our community can be strong or weak. So wisdom says, therefore, well, stay well clear of harmful words, words that tear down uh, the mouth of the wicked. Gossip. Look at 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. It's true, isn't it? Gossip ruins friendships, Uh, destroys communities, rumours, innuendo, uh, presumption. Uh, God says it destroys communities. It causes division. It's unloving. If you look over to uh, Proverbs 18, verse 8, I really do love this one. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels, They go down to a man's inmost parts. It's quite a picture, actually. Um, The picture is of these delicious morsels of food. Gossip is like tasty morsels that just, you know, they slip on down. There's no need for chewing. They're easy. You you hardly notice. Um, I'm I'm sorry if this makes you vomit. Uh, It's like a fresh oyster. I love fresh oysters. They're great. Bit of lemon, bit of salt, maybe a bit of something else. I, I, I said this, at, I shared this at 8am of course and, and there's a number of people at 8am who, who one person actually said, oh, stop, stop, it's disgusting, I can't cope. Uh, <laughs> Some people really don't like oysters, do they? But that's the picture here. They're just easy to swallow on down. You don't need to chew them, down they go. Uh, that's what gossip is. It, it's, it's so easy to swallow on down. That's the picture being used here. Easy to listen to. It almost feels harmless. But it's dangerous and it has the power to tear apart communities uh, in Christian communities churches and so on you know we, we can even fall into the trap of the you know the, you know the prayer time gossip the prayer time gossip yeah it goes something like this. this is an exaggeration but I think you get the idea Lord we pray for Angela we pray for her marriage which is clearly struggling because she keeps having coffee with Nigel who works down at the IGA Um, <laughs> You get the idea. Uh, Prayer is not a time for gossip. Um, nor is the, the, the Bible study sharing time. You, know, you go around the circle and you're sharing how your life's going and so on. Uh, that can turn into something a bit nasty as well. And friends, the thing about gossip too, you can't take it back. Uh, it spreads. It, it it moves on and it's gone. Now yesterday was a pretty windy day up at Robbo and, and so we... Um, I was thinking about this and I was going to try this experiment but um, I want, just, just, just go out on a windy day one day, this is your little experiment, go out on a windy day, go out to the oval maybe, maybe in your back garden where the wind's going to catch uh, and place down a $5 note all right? or, a, or a piece of paper about the si- same size of a $5 note uh, if you're cheap I guess um, and, or a leaf if you want to go green um, and place down the $5 note and now walk away. In fact, go inside. Go inside. Leave it for a day. Come back the next day, next morning. Is it going to be there? No, it's not going to be. It's gone. It's gone. As much as you want your $5 back, it's gone. You you probably even regret putting it there. Might even be a mistake to do that, to say that. That's what gossip is. Uh, It's moved on. Once it's said, it's gone. You know, um, there is good news, though. You see, 17 verse 4, and we won't read it out, says that gossip has power only in so much as the listener listens to it and and gives ear to it. In other words, the wise person can put a stop to gossip simply by not listening. Uh, Perhaps, as we'll see in a moment, um, by being brave, being honest, and uh, correcting in love. The wise person can put a stop to gossip. Okay, well, let's keep going. Uh, friends, wise words can protect you and uh, guard you against evil. That's the next thing Proverbs says. Proverbs 13, verse 3. So go back to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 3. 13, verse 3. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Okay back one more chapter, chapter 12, verse 13 this time, 12 verse 13. See, this sort of sinful talk that we're talking about here is like a trap. An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. See as we exaggerate our lie, we'll talk about honesty in a moment, we're, we're further and further trapped by our words. Now the safeguard is is wise words, but the image in twelve verse thirteen that we read here actually is one of an animal being trapped, um, slowly dying. I had great success last year uh, catching mice um, and killing them. Uh, I'm sorry if that makes you feel un, un you know, uh, uncomfortable, but I it was it was just so satisfying. I put the traps out, and in the morning. There was a dead mouse in the trap. How good's that? These things are amazing. They're just a little bit of plastic, you know? And down it came and struggling and struggling for life and then it dies. Um, My, speaking of traps, this is is well and truly a tangent, but we lost a chicken last night. Yeah, we lost (laughs) it. Don't get me started. We lost a chicken last night. I have the, 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 the Fort Knox of chicken coops. Chicken wire everywhere. And a fox has eaten through the wire to kill my chicken. Eaten through it. Man, now I want a trap for my fox. I'm going to surround it with those huge, big, you know. Anyway, but I've got a dog that could be messy. Um, better stop there. Um, that's the image. You see, that's the image that's going on here in all seriousness. That's the image that the, the uh, Proverbs 12:13 is using. An animal trap slowly dying. Uh, struggling for life. Trapped by sinful talk, lie upon lie, exaggeration upon exaggeration. That's what happens when we do that. We're trapped. Stretching the truth, deception upon deception, half-truths, and so on. Let's get on to things more positive. Words are powerful. We've seen that. But we ought to use words, so we ought to use words wisely. I've got five little subheadings, and up on the screen there, if you're taking some notes... Wise words are honest, uh, they're gentle, they're timely, they're restrained, and they're brave. Okay, first let's look at these honest, honesty. Wise words are honest. Uh, 15 verse 4, which was our reading uh, for this morning as we were uh, reading through, hopefully. Um, uh, it's It's a great one for the fridge. Cut it out, type it up, put it in the fridge. It's a great one for the household. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, our tongues have the power to restore relationships. Uh, in saying sorry, uh, in forgiveness, in encouragement. It's worth, um, it's worth following up on this phrase, the, the, the tree of life. Uh, 15 verse, I've read out 15 verse 1, sorry. 15 verse 4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a, tongue, a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. We'll get back to 15 verse 1 later on, um, 15 verse 4. You see that tree of life phrase. It comes up in 3 verse 18 as well. In other words, wisdom is described as a tree of life in 3 verse 18. In fact, it's it's why we use that little tree in the the picture for our series on Proverbs. It carries the meaning of restored relationships with God. In other words, wisdom, as we said in, in the first chapter, talk in the series is being in step with God this is what it looks like we read through Proverbs and we read of this wisdom this is what it looks like being in step with God okay a restored relationship and so on but dishonesty or a deceitful tongue that we see in 15 verse 4 crushes that spirit you see there's no life in that there's no life in that in dishonesty I'll give you some interesting statistics on on lying uh, they're American, uh, but probably pretty similar to us. Uh, we tend to make up our own statistics on lying. That's my little joke. It's funny, hey. Um, here's one. When this is these are these are uh, stats from a quite a, a good survey. Uh, when meeting someone new, the average person will lie two to three times in the first ten minutes. Wow, It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> you know. Uh, They reckon most people lie four times a day, men on average six times, and women three times. And the women, of course, are saying, yes, of course, that's true, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, Reputable statistics, I'm sure. Here's one I can believe, though. Um, The most common lie is, I'm doing fine. I can believe that. That's the most common lie. I did find one uh, stat uh, on Australians and lying. And that is that three out of four Australians lie on their home loan application so they can get more money. Interesting, isn't it? I can believe that. It seems that dishonesty is is pretty common. But in contrast to the world around us, God says wisdom is found in truthfulness and uh, being trustworthy. Dishonesty breaks trust. We know that. That's true. If you've been lied to, dishonesty breaks trust. So, Proverbs 16, verse 13. uh, 16, verse 13. For example, kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. So, good leadership seeks out truthful advice, not just what they want to hear. I love that. I love truthful, helpful advice from trusted friends. Uh, I love Proverbs 24, verse 26. Don't look it up. Um, but uh, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. It's pretty good, isn't it? An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. You see, it seals the relationship rather than severs the friendship, the relationship. What about flattery? Where does that fit in? You know, you know I mean, by flattery or flattering someone, excessive and insincere praise Well, as we'll read in a moment, that's a form of dishonesty as well. And it does someone no good at all. Uh, It actually works ruin, we'll see. It ends in pain. In the end, it's dishonest. So go across to 26, verse 28. 26, verse 28. Right at the back. 26, verse 28 says, A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. I I love watching... um, reality TV shows. I'm so excited about Survivor. I have to tape it because church is on at night, on Sunday nights, but that's okay. I'm all right. I go home and watch Survivor. Um, it, it, I, I, love, I loved Australian Idol. It was great fun. Um, X Factor, The Voice, all those sort of things. I love it when they go through those talent shows when there's an, um, you know, the audition stage at the start. Uh, I love that audition stage. It's wonderful. Um, you had a whole variety of talent. And, and, and from time to time, you come across these young people who have, it, seemed, it seems, since birth, they've been told that they are God's gift to singing. They are fantastic. They are fabulous. You, my dear, you're going to change the world. You're going to be the next superstar. Yes, you are. Believe in yourself. All that sort of stuff. And so they come to these auditions and they believe in themselves and they sing, but they are hopeless. Uh, they, can't, they can't sing in tune. They, they have great confidence, but they really are not very good. They have misplaced reality. Uh, and as entertaining, entertaining as that is to watch on TV, um, it's really a little bit sad, isn't it? It's a little bit sad. See, their parents, or whoever's brought them up, has flattered them so much that they've actually lost track of reality. And of course, it always ends in tears when they're not as, they work out, well, they're actually not as talented as they, as they think they are. Uh, when reality finally hits home, they are not the next Beyonce or Ed Sheeran or whatever. Um, they now need to go and get a job. Uh, see, when, when we say to our kids, you can do anything you dream of, well, we're not really being honest, are we? Because they can't. I used to love sprinting. I wasn't uh, into athletics when I was young. I've got a really fast five metres in me now. Um, and <laughs> if that, oh, there's a hammy, gone. Um, I, this morning I got up uh, and I watched uh, Usain Bolt not win the world championships. He came third. Amazing, I know. <gasps> what? I couldn't believe it. Um, he, you know, I'm, he, he's an absolute legend, clearly. Uh, I can't say to myself, you know, Graham, just believe in it and you can do it. Just dream about it and you can, you can do it. Believe in yourself and you can... I'm not going to be a... hundred. Even at my prime, you know, just last week. I'm not... No, just kidding. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be about a 100-metre sprinter and break world records. Even if I dream about it, even if I believe in myself, I'm not going to do it. I- I'm being dishonest. I'm lying to myself. And if someone tells me that, they're lying to me. Um, you see, the reality is when kids grow up in the context of such flattery, excessive and insincere praise, more often than not... It'll end in, as the Bible says, ruins, disappointment, tears, and mistrust, and quite possibly embarrassment on national television. Okay, let's move on. Uh, The wise use of words means gentleness. So now we go back to Proverbs 15, verse 1. Again, one for the fridge. Uh, a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. So here's the scene, scene in Proverbs but you've probably been in this sort of scene before uh, someone has come to you in wrath, anger All right? they might be complaining they might be uh, criticising or condemning you in some way and everything now hinges on how you respond a harsh word well that'll stir up stir up the pot of anger the heat's turned up and it may overflow but if we, if we keep our cool and give a gentle answer well then the heat is turned down and uh, well it's diverted away. Now Jesus is the ultimate example of this of course of such gentleness. Uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 23 says when, he, when they hurled insults at him he did not retaliate When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. That's what we ought to do. Gentle words, gentle responses. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Next, wise words. Wise words are timely. Have a look at 15 verse 23. 15 verse 23. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? You know, a timely word is—it's—it's uh, it's just the right. You've said just the right thing at just the right time. They're pretty good, aren't they? Uh, I love a timely word. But how do you do that? How do you—how do you be the, the person who makes timely words or an apt reply? Well, you listen. That's what you do. You listen. You understand the situation. You understand the person you're talking to. You get to know them. The relationship. You see, wisdom is... Remember 1 verse 5? Wisdom is growing in learning. So to give a timely word, you grow in your learning. So wise words are gentle. As you can see up on the screen, they're honest, gentle, timely. Wise words are also restrained. Uh, Proverbs 15 verse 28... The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. So wisdom weighs up answers. It's thoughtful. Wisdom means using well-chosen words. It doesn't just blurt it out, you know, or, or gush it out, overwhelming the, those unfortunate enough to have to listen to your response. Now I reckon a helpful picture here, you know, in the in school playgrounds or maybe even just down in the park or something, you, you get the broken bubbler, you know, the bubbler. Bubbler, by the way, is only an Australian term. I found out this in Dubai. I said it to an American once and they, I don't know what they're talking about, you know, a little little tap you drink from. Anyway, the, a broken bubble in the playground, you, you lean over and you, you're ready for a cool, refreshing drink of water and uh, just, to, just to dribble out, just so you can drink it nice and comfortable, no problem. But instead, some idiot's put a stick in it or something. And, and uh, some little kid. And all of a sudden, it's all over you. It's gushed all over you. And you're totally overwhelmed by this water. It's gone everywhere. Uh, that's a picture here being used, I think, of this type of uh, unrestrained response. Unrestrained words. See, wise words are restrained. They don't gush out and overwhelm. Wisdom pauses. It considers the question. It weighs up the situation and arrives at the answer before it comes out of your mouth. It's what a wise person does, I think. I think this is helpful. I read this during the week and I've heard of it before, actually. Um, This is before they speak, a wise person asks three questions of their response Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? You got that? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Uh, three questions worth asking before we respond uh, in a situation. Uh, 15 verse 2 says, it's a fool who speaks off the top of his head. The mouth of the fool gushes folly. Or James 1 verse 19, we ought to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I reckon it's a good word for husbands. Uh, husbands, let me talk to you for a minute. Uh, we, If you're anything like me, that's what I get in trouble for. Um probably good Michelle's not here, uh, she'll say, yes, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Um, it? Many of us love to solve problems. We love to get on to the next thing to solve a problem and, and, and fix it, which well, comes out of a good heart because we care and so on. But what we need to do, rather than jumping in, we need to slow down and we need to listen. That's what we need to do. Um, otherwise, we're actually missing the actual, we'll miss the actual problem anyway, now, this rushing in or being unrestrained, sometimes we have the problem, that same problem with digital communication too. So whether it's social media, so if whether, you, whether you're on Facebook or, or uh, on Twitter or, or you know, uh, t- tonight I'll talk about Snapchat with young people, but, um, or just a plain email. We can rush in and fail to consider our response. We can fail to check our punctuation, for example. Uh, friends an exclamation mark actually looks like you're angry um (laughs) you know that uh although we're helped these days if if you're writing an email on your phone you can use an emoji um if i'm just losing you right now let's have a break and come back in about 30 seconds all right um (laughs) but with with, uh we, we ought to be careful sometimes we rush in and we just press send and it's gone Here's three little tips. I'm going to give you three little tips about sending emails. Okay? It's related to this. Um, Here's something Michelle taught me. Put the recipient in last. All right? You know, the first thing you see is two. I'm writing to this person. Oh, I'll put their little email in. Uh, Put it in last. One, it slows you down a bit. It means that you can read your email again, and then you go back and put the recipient in. It also helps you just in case you're at your desk and you're firing back a response that you probably should have thought more carefully about, and then you bump the send. Oh, no, it's gone. It's gone. It is gone. You're right. It's gone. If you bump that send, it's gone. The email's gone. Uh, we're not talking old school letters here, written by hand. That thing is gone. It's going to arrive, and you're going to have to write an email back or ring them. I'll get to that in a minute. That's the first one. Put the recipient email in last. The second little tip is that if it's an important email and possibly sensitive, we'll save it as a draft, and then come back the next day. Save it as a draft, come back the next day. But third tip, better still, here's my rule uh, if it's a significant word, then speak to them face to face. Go and talk to them. Um, put the computer away, put the phone away. Don't text, go and talk to them. If it's a significant word, you see, we miss so much communication in the written word, don't we? And it's the same with old fashioned letters. We miss communication in the written word. Okay, finally, on why, using wise words, uh, wise words are brave. 27, verse 5, don't look it up. um, Better an open rebuke than hidden love. Better an open rebuke than hidden love. See, good friendship realises there are times when things must be said. Good friends not only give such love in rebuke, but they're also able to receive it. Uh, Flattery, well, as we've been talking about, uh, words just make us feel good. That doesn't do anything for us. Um, just saying nothing does no good as well. No good, no good will come from good intentions. Saying you're going to write the letter, send the email, make the phone call, go and visit. Just saying that, having a good intention, well, actually doesn't do any good. Be brave, do it. Uh, go and do it. As we uh, and as we read Ephesians, followers of Jesus must speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. That'll, that'll also mean that you're careful about your own temperament. Now listen carefully to this because sometimes we fall into this trap. Um, it This doesn't, being brave here doesn't give us license to go and correct and rebuke everyone in everything. Okay? Uh, don't be that person. Um, there's not a lot of humility in that, is there? Don't be obnoxious is the word. Okay. Let's tie a few things together. Um... Friends, perhaps you've been challenged a bit today. I hope you have. I hope you have. I have during the week. Um, uh, y- you might feel a bit trapped. Perhaps you do feel trapped in in, in those sort of words, in the dishonesty maybe. Perhaps, perhaps you'd love for yourself to be a more encouraging person, you know, who, who says that timely word. When you love that? I would. Uh, who who uses words wisely and and you're sick of those moments when you walk away and think oh gee did I really say that oh man I could have handled that so much better I had one yesterday walked away I'm not going to see the person again I see them regularly but I, I didn't say anything offensive or anything I just thought oh I had an opportunity and I missed it ugh idiot you know wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to be like that I would anyway How do we change our words? How do we be transformed so we're more that person? Or as Jesus hit the nail on the head, how do we transform our hearts? Uh, For our words flow out of our hearts. Well, first and foremost, you've got to give your life, you've got to give your heart to Jesus. Your life over to him. He needs to be in charge. He needs to be your Lord. And remember, he's your saviour too. So he died for all those unwise and uh, unwise words we've said. And he died for our broken, sinful hearts to make us new, to be transformed, to be like him. And friends, if Jesus is your Lord, um, can I encourage you today to let the word of God transform your hearts. Let the word of God transform your heart. Crave it. Grow up in it. God's word is powerful and living and active. It's the sword of the spirit. It is the word that transforms. 1 Peter 1.18, uh, 1, 1 Peter, Peter writes to uh, Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire. I want to finish with this. Um, it'll be up on the screen. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God and raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. But the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, to big therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk which in the, in the context of, the, of what we've been reading is the word of God that, that uh, endures forever. So that, it's the purpose of doing this, craving this word of God, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Friends, if, if you want to tame the tongue, listen to the one whose words make a difference more than anyone else's. The words of your Father in heaven who loves you and who has saved you. We're going to pray in a moment. But, but today might be the day to apologise for words that you've said. Might, today might be a good day to do that, to say sorry. And today also, and to be honest, like any day, any day is a great day to encourage, to lift up, uh, to thank someone for what they've done, to build up with our words, every day is a day to do that, isn't it? Let me pray. Uh, father, we uh, we thank you for your uh, goodness to us. We thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks. Lord, we pray that you would help us to use our words wisely. Um, father, we ask that you'd help us be gentle, to be honest, uh, father, to, to to be brave. Lord, um. Lord, help us to fill us with Your Spirit as we as we speak to each other. Um, some good challenges, Lord. We're sorry that there are times we don't always get that right. That's frustrating, and um, but Lord, we pray that we crave Your Word so much so that we would that You would transform us by Your Word through Your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.